Thank you very much, Andrew and Kelsey, for organizing this beautiful event. And this is a real pleasure to start with some specifically 18th century Russian conference here in Oxford. Uh, uh, yes, I, there was just one handout to, uh, for a French quotation, but I will, unfortunately, I will uh, speak French more than. I, I, I should, <laughs> uh, probably, but as far as I um, understand, most of, of the audience is uh, francophone, so I, I hope it's not a problem. <clears throat> uh, so the question I put in the uh, title of my communication will not receive a firm uh, Response uh, <laughs> after my communication is finished, uh, like our general question about uh, the environment in Russia. So I will just uh, propose some uh, hypotheses and uh, suggestions. Uh, if we read Trevor's accounts and other descriptions of Russia by 18th century Europeans, we frequently come across the statement, there is no society in Russia. The word society refers then to urban elites, not associated with the court. And such a statement usually means that there is no social life independent, uh, independent from its courtly forms. As the Prince Chartarysky puts it uh, in his memoirs, talking about his stay in St. Petersburg in 1790s, uh, quote, society then, as probably it is today, was nothing but a reflection of the court, Every conversation, I almost said every sentence, always led to court news. What was said? What was done? What was proposed? All vital impulse came only from the court. This undoubted, uh, undoubtedly deprived society of its social, uh, of its special life. Rare accounts by foreign actors express similar ideas, but not about society as a whole. In the early 1760s, <coughs> former French actor in Russian service, Lépine de Marambert, attempts to invite Parisian opera comique star Madame Favard in Russia to be a part of the court's French company and presents the local theater life to her in the following terms. Her majesty and her court constitute the only audience, or rather her majesty alone. Sa Majesté sa cour fait tout ou plutôt elle seule. His colleague, the actor de Forge, uh, who worked for Catherine II's court 20 years later, repeats this idea in his memoirs to explain the difference between theatrical enterprises in France and in Russia. Quote, It was not in this case an audience to whom we are sometimes at the mercy due to the rights that the money paid at the door entitles them. It was a production that belonged to the empire, this is to say, to the empress, and the audience were those that she, that she chose to admit. These two testimonies seem to be an accurate expression of the specificity of the court theater in general and of the court theater of Catherine II in particular. Yet the Russian imperial stage gives a peculiar example of this type of theater, where the notion of the audience and the ways of interaction between the former with the performance 
was a constantly was constantly work in progress. Since the opening of the opera in the Winter Palace in December 1763, opera means playhouse, any. Uh, any free and well-dressed individual could attend it gratis. More importantly, the empress soon authorized the audience to applaud even in her presence uh, without her authorization. It means uh, that she let the audience enjoy one of her imperial privileges, that is to choose the moment when to launch the public reaction to the performance. At least a few intellectuals in the Empress Circle reflected on various issues related to the theatrical performance. They were regularly discussed at court, according, for instance, to the diary of Simon Paroshin, one of uh, uh, the Tsarevich uh, Paul tutors. Uh, and Russian enlightened no nobility hardly come across as advocates of the canonical model of the court theater reserved for the court only. Given the regular stage practices of modern theater uh, had been imported in Russia by foreign companies, including playhouse architecture, stage machinery, and so on, and given that different types of stages spread in St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg with striking speed, I assume that local elites followed quite attentively the European debates about theater, its functioning, and its use. In my talk, I intend to discuss uh, three different aspects of ideas on the audience's interaction with performance and within itself. I will start with a quick introduction to the ideas of theater and drama in 18th century Russia. Then I will place them in the context of 18th century France, debates on this subject. And finally, I will quickly look at theatrical practices at the Russian court in the light of these theories. One could compare the situation in 18th century uh, Russian theatrical life uh, with that in 16th century England or 17th century France. Uh, that means that uh, in 18th century, uh, century only in Russia, uh, uh, the actors became professional and uh, permanent performances uh, were established at, at court. Uh, the institutionalization of theater in France in the 17th century was closely linked with numerous efforts to bring it under control. Uh, the classicism in French drama was in fact, as Deborah Blocher shows, a published expression of literary strategies used by actors involved in the process of domestication of the theater. Uh, these included books, articles, in periodicals, and different forms of paratext. Among these actors were the Cardinal Richelieu and his clients, such as the Abbot de Bignac, author of the fundamental La Poétique du Théâtre, uh, 1757, uh, uh, sorry, or Chaplin, uh, who authored the opinion of the French Academy on Pierre Corneille's seed. With their help, political authority sought to become a literary one as well. In Russia, the institution institutionalization of theater was launched by the imperial court 
and actors invited from abroad performed a borrowed repertoire of plays in buildings that were copies of uh, the European models. Uh, in other words, they was neither culturally heterogeneous nor independent uh, theatrical culture. Uh, and the theater did not really need to be controlled by authorities because it was brought there by the authorities. Uh, that is why I think there was strikingly few poetics and other published regulations for dramatic composition in Russia compared with <laughs> France or uh, Germany. The Empress herself was an attentive reader of Dobinyak, uh, Dobinyak's book on the poetics of drama. She copied uh, whole paragraphs of, of uh, this book, uh, for instance, those on the comic genre. She also recommended reading the work to an, uh, to an unfortunate Russian author whose play flopped at the, the, uh, at the Hermitage Theater. Uh, what 17th century poetics could not regulate was audience conduct as well as both its public and private reaction to the performance. Uh, in this particular case, it was the court and the sovereign herself that dictated the reception of the production. Of the production. There was indeed a general interest in the question of the audience at the Russian court in the very uh, uh, elitary, uh, yeah, very elite, was quite interested by, by those questions. Paul Keenan reconstructs its politics with regards to the social structure of the audience and argues that the Empress Elizabeth, now oh, I'm talking uh, about 1750s, uh, gradually admitted members of the public to places initially open to the courts only, um, like the summer garden or the place uh, or the playhouse located at the court. The court issued a variety of announcements addressed to those invited to attend performances, which, among other things, concerned their placement in the auditorium. This was customary in Catherine's reign too. Uh, the courtly elites uh, became increasingly involved in thinking about how to make the theater uh, efficient. Thus, after the first performance of the fashionable uh, comic opera genre uh, in 1764, Nikita Panin said it would be useful to sell before the show the libretta of the play performed. He assumed that even the francophone part of the audience could not understand the text sung by the actors well enough to enjoy its witty arias. Uh, Panin suggested, too, that people should pay an entrance fee to see a performance at the Winter Palace, as they, quote, would be even more impassioned with these performances if they paid money to be admitted. In such case, <laughs> in such case everyone would watch more attentively and would be more attached to the performance. The Empress and her close, uh, close circle, of which Nikita Panin was of course a part, felt that the didactic message of French plays was not clear enough uh, for an audience comprised of diverse social echelons. This perception of audience capacities explains, in my opinion, why many Russian plays, including Catherine's comedies, 
contain meta-theatrical elements explaining in particular how the audience should understand the play and react to it. Uh, in her comedy, Mrs. Varchalkina's name day, for instance, the Empress depicts the reaction of her, of her ridiculed characters to a previous comedy by herself and uses a raisonneur to correct their reaction in order to lead the characters and the audience with, this, with them to the moral improvement. I'm not sure it's clear. So she, uh, in this play, uh, the characters talk about another play by, by Catherine II, Ovremia, and uh, recognize themselves in the characters of this first play. And so and they, they complain. And this. Um, so this Rizanar character says, uh, the comedy represents bad morals and ridicule that is worth laughing at without causing harm to anyone particular. Therefore, if I recognize myself represented in a comedy and thus learned uh, what, were, uh, what there was ridiculous in me, I would attempt to reform myself and to overcome my defects. I would not be angry about it, but would, th uh, but would think myself indebted. And so as we see, not to laugh at a comic performance, meant to be affected by the critic the play contained. And conversely, the audience who laughed publicly at the, at, at the representation of bad morals formed a kind of moral community, uh, laughing being a sign of collective symbolic disqualification of a social defect. The Empress herself gave preference to this sort uh, of comedies, which I could call funny ones, uh, and as some eyewitnesses report, demonstrated her approval uh, to such plays um, as Ivan Yelagin's adaptation of uh, Jean de France uh, by uh, Holberg, or her own first comedy, All These Times, Ovremia. In her letter to Grimm, uh, that from the December 1778, I think that Kelsey uh, have already quoted, uh, she declares herself to be bored by the new French comedies that, uh, that she finds called raisonnieren tient lieu de tout, she says. In this scheme, the comic performance appears as a tool of social discipline, but its true goal should be disguised uh, and the performance should first make laugh in order to instruct. As for the new French comedies, Catherine's judgment repeats one of her least loved philosophers uh, who remarks, Elle instruise beaucoup, si l'on veut, mais elles ennuient encore davantage. Autant voudrait aller au sermon. Does it mean that the Russian Empress was as, as skeptical, skeptical as Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who I have just quoted? It obviously doesn't. Um, since the Empress was the major actor of the dissemination of the theatrical practices in Russia, uh, contrary to, to Rousseau. Uh, and yet, let us turn to the stage controversy in Europe in order to situate the Russian Empress' vision of how should theater work. 
when the Seven Years' War, the first global war in modern history, was redefining the balance of European powers and generating a brand new idea of national culture, a citizen of Geneva, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, decided to respond to the article dedicated to his native city in the encyclopedia. The article being authored by D'Alembert, one of the pillars of the whole encyclopedia project, the letter to D'Alembert on the theater published in uh, 1768, uh, sorry, 58, had become the most important polemical text on the subject. Uh, and most theoretical writings dealing with staged performances had to take a part in this debate. Let's take a quick look at this text uh, and its intellectual context. In his article on Geneva, extremely positive on the Republic's account, uh, D'Alembert regrets that there is no theater in the city and suggests the establishment of one. In the paragraph defending his project, he uses three sorts of arguments to convince uh, Genevan authorities that it could be beneficial for their state. First, though theater can be morally dangerous, the Republic's legal system is fine enough to avoid the undesirable effects of it. Secondly, the theater will certainly refine citizens' manners and feelings so that where wisdom uh, will be uh, in a perfect union with politeness. Quote, Le séjour de cette ville, que bien des Français regardent comme triste par la privation des spectacles, deviendrait alors le séjour des plaisirs honnêtes, comme il est celui de la philosophie et de la liberté. Finally, by accepting actors excommunicated in France as a part of the community, Geneva would reform the whole Europe attitude in this respect. The th uh, these theses, uh, theses uh, provoked a rather long demur from Rousseau, who had returned to Geneva from Paris several years earlier. Taking D'Alembert's idea as a starting point in, of his reflection, he discusses theater in a broader social context of his native city. The stage controversy obviously was not initiated by Rousseau in itself. It seems to be almost as old as theater itself, and the modern period, in the modern period, the number of polemical writings on theater rises rapidly as the stage becomes an established institution with professional performance and receives state, and receives state support. Uh, uh, I could quote uh, Louis Bourquin and his erudite work dedicated to the subject. Um, uh, and he shows that in Spain, in Italy, in England, in France, everywhere there was a long uh, discussion of these issues. Um, logically enough, uh, numerous uh, apologia for theater uh, came to the light too, and one can see from prefaces to published versions of French plays uh, of 17th and 18th century, centuries that the uh, vindication of morality uh, in the theater was a common technique of uh, authorial justification. Uh, in 18th century, French theater capacity to reform Moors was highlighted as uh, French companies settled up all over Europe from uh, Parma uh, to Stockholm and, and St. Petersburg. Um, and such is the presupposition of D'Alembert's suggestion, uh, suggestion to establish a comedy in Geneva. He writes 
par ce moyen, Genève aurait des spectacles et des mœurs euh, joueraient de l'avantage des uns et des autres. Les représentations théâtrales formeraient le goût des citoyens, leur donneraient une finesse de tact, une délicatesse de sentiment qui est très difficile d'acquérir sans ce secours. Thus, the theater was supposed to reform society more, and Rousseau agrees, actually, with this thesis. Uh, however, he does not believe French drama can reform them in a positive way. Uh, I will not expound Rousseau's rather intricate argument um, in, in every detail, but rather move to what seems to be central in his response uh, to D'Alembert, and at the same time to the um, encyclopedist's uh, theory of theater. I'm talking about passions uh, presented in stage dramas and the emotional response of the audience to it. Uh, according to Rousseau, the feelings of the characters in the play are not necessarily to blame, uh, but their effect on the emotional uh, state of members of the audience is harmful for the whole society. Um, le mal qu'on rapproche au théâtre n'est pas précisément d'inspirer des passions criminelles, mais de disposer l'âme à des sentiments trop tendres qu'on satisfait ensuite aux dépens de la vertu. Uh, theater distracts individuals from their primary social duties. Uh, you have to love your children, of course, but not federal. Uh, and lets them enjoy themselves, egoistically taking pleasure from watching the fictional representation of passions. One of Rousseau's most important objections, important both for the uh, encyclo encyclo encyclopedists and for my talk today, uh, is his thesis that theater take people away from the community. L'on croit s'assembler au spectacle, et c'est là que chacun s'isole. C'est là qu'on va oublier ses amis, ses voisins, ses proches pour s'intéresser à des fables, pour pleurer les malheurs des morts, ou rire aux dépens des vivants. According to scholars' calculation, over 400 articles and pamphlets were written against Letter to the Lambert. I have not read all of them yet, uh, but those I'm acquainted with pay a great deal of attention to the topic of interaction between the stage uh, and the audience, as well as to that of connection between audience members. I shall quote one of my favorites, a very dense passage from the, from the Correspondence Littéraire, a periodical we know to have been read at the Russian court. Uh, in July of uh, 1760, the following passage appears on its pages next to a discussion of the new Comédie Française production. So that's your handout. Uh, plus le spectacle sera nombreux, plus la communication sera forte. Les hommes sont tous amis au sortir du spectacle. Ils ont haï le vice, aimé la vertu, pleuré de concert, développé les uns à côté des autres ce qu'il y a de bon et de juste dans le cœur humain. Ils se sont trouvés bien meilleurs qu'ils ne croyaient. Ils s'embrassaient volontiers. Celui qui les a mis dans, dans le cadre de se connaître eux-mêmes, de s'estimer, de se montrer estimable, vient-il apparaître Il l'accueille avec des acclamations de joie. On, se so on ne sort point d'un sermon aussi heureusement disposé. Une lecture qu'on fait dans le silence et dans le secret ne produira jamais le même effet. On est seul, on n'a personne pour témoin de son honnêteté, de son goût, de sa sensibilité et de ses pleurs.
So, like the passages uh, unknown of stresses, people are all friends at the end of a, of a performance, and public emotions have a key importance for this moral and so, uh, for this moral and social transformation of the audience. Discovering one's sensibility has a clear beneficial effect for each individual and for the audience as a whole. Uh, showing their emotions in public, members of the audience establish a close social connection, a sort of link between them that leads to what we could call the creation of a, an emotional community. Uh, I obviously borrow this term from the American medieval historian Barbara Rosenvane, who concludes from close reading of sources that date back from the late Roman Gaul and uh, early medieval Francia, uh, that not only people had a, uh, had a complex structure of emotions in that time, but that social communities of the period had enough cohesion and force to formalize the discourse of emotions too. Moreover, if communities shape emotions, the emotions help to build communities. William M. Reddy, an anthropologist uh, quoted by Rosenvane, uh, writes in an article on the subject of the historical ethnography of emotions, quote, emotional control is the real side of the exercise of power. Politics is just a process of determining who must repress as a is, sorry, who must repress as a legitimate, who must foreground as valuable, the feelings and desires that come up for them in given contexts and relationships. In the quotation from Correspondance Littéraire, the playwright appears as the very center of the, process, uh, of the process of shaping emotions and as a, I'm sorry, of shaping emotions and as a consequence communities. The comparison uh, with the ecclesiastical genre of, ser uh, of sermon is a typical feature of what uh, Paul Benichoux calls le sacré de l'écrivain, the, the consecration of the author, uh, in the second half of the 18th century. La correspondance littéraire links any kind of theatrical performance with a particular uh, emotion or a set of emotions. While watching a drama, people love virtue or hate vice, for instance. Since 1730s, it becomes fashionable in France to hate vice less and to love virtue more, uh, not without some help from British novelists, uh, French playwrights and comic authors in particular have discovered the, 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 the genre attendrissant or touching, uh, moralizing comedy. Uh, so uh, briefly, how did it work in Russia? Did it work at all and uh, how it, is it relevant to uh, Russian theater? Uh, we have some idea of uh, the reactions of court spectators uh, uh, to the French Comédie Leur Moyante uh, from Parochian's diary. Uh, Parochian attempt among others uh, de touche uh, de uh, le dissipateur, uh, performed by the French company on the 4th of October 1764. Uh, quote, His Highness was not at the comedy. I went. They performed the grand comedy very well. In the last scene, I was moved to tears. On my return, I told His Highness about it. He deigned to say me. I think that if I had been there, then I would have shed tears. A mark of a delicate sensibility, tears were a conventional expression of the pleasure as well 
in accordance with European both theory and usages. When in 1765, after a show, Nikita Panin asked the Empress Maid of Honor Anastasia Sokolova how did she like the performance, she, <coughs> sorry, she answered, Il était charmant, monsieur. J'ai pleuré dans la grande pièce. It was delightful, uh, sir. I wept watching the first play. In these two episodes, uh, and I could continue quoting uh, uh, similar examples, individuals share their emotions after the performance. Uh, the reactions were, of course, programmed by the place and conventional, but nothing proves they were collective. It is indeed extremely rare to find an emotional account of a performance in the available sources. I could find one example of such performance, described first in an official newspaper, St. Petersburgskie Vedomosti, and second by the Chevalier de Corberon, an employee of the French Embassy in St. Petersburg. The performance took place in Smolny Institution for Young Ladies uh, on the 2nd of January uh, 1776. In the course of the performance um, that contained three dramatic plays and a ballet, the youngest girls aged from five to six years. After representing a comic opera, Le Coq du Village, jumped over the barrier separating the stage from the audience and uh, ran to the Empress. Um, and this movement has produced the like in the hearts of all the members of the audience, uh, says St. Petersburgsky Vedomisti's account. One should obviously be skeptical about, uh, you know, this topical representation of uh, uh, imperial mythology. But the Chevalier de Corberon, who attended the performance too, writes down in his diary, quote, Je fus édifié et attendri de l'air de bonté de l'impératrice et de contentement des jeunes personnes. Il me semblait voir une famille bien unie et la mère la plus dindre caressée par ses enfants. We won't be surprised to learn that Catherine seemed to use this touching effect to impress her VIP uh, visitors, uh, European especially, including Diderot, who writes to Madame Van Deuil uh, in October 1773, quote, Et bien, ma bonne, après avoir vu faire des prodiges à ses enfants, qui ne sont plus hauts que des choux. Je les ai vus s'attroper autour d'elle, l'embrasser, lui sauter au bras, à la tête, au cou. C'était un spectacle à faire pleurer d'attendrissement. La souveraine, ma bonne, la souveraine d'un empire immense, cela ne se conçoit ni d'elle, ni de ses enfants. Well, I think I uh, should now uh, pass to my conclusion. I think that... Uh, uh, discussing the variety of um, emotions lived and uh, or expressed in the auditorium gives us valuable insights in what theater was, how it was supposed to work, and in some cases, how it actually worked. Uh, returning to the doubts casted by the foreign observers upon the very existent, existence of audience and society outside the court, I think why could consider theatrical performances from a double perspective? 
the first of uh, uh, perspective uh, would be that of moral instruction and reform the empress definitely believed in. The second of them would be that of a social ritual shaping both an audience and a society, chiefly as a representation, but a representation with a performative power. The court sponsorized most initiative in the field of the uh, theatrical life, and the empress, uh, by her personal example and conduct, as well, of course, uh, as by her dramatic writings, um, intended to guide her subject, her, her, her subjects, and to, uh, if you wish, literally create society uh, as a theatrical audience, uh, at least as a big uh, and uh, relatively well-structured representation. Thank you. Thank you.